Well, hi everybody, and uh, well, um, welcome to a, a very special uh, uh, Kings of Anglia podcast. Um, obviously, we're all uh, we're all isolated a little bit these days, unfortunately, with this uh, terrible virus. So, um, but anyway, hopefully, we could cheer you up with the next half hour or so. Because I've, I've got me a, a, a chap who's well, not only a top footballer, very special special football for us here at Ipswich Town. It's Kieran Dyer. Kieran, it's lovely that you're you're joining us here um, on this little podcast. We're going to chat a few things. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully this podcast is better than the, the the rubbish that Stuart Watson and Andy Warren does. So. <laughs> well, well, that's a great start. That's a good start. Thank you very much, Kieran. That's, that's got us well, anyway, so that's the end of the Kieran... Do- no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love the Kings of Anglia podcast as well. Though they're actually doing it from their own conservatories, um, Kim, which is pretty well what we're doing, I suppose. Here, aren't we? Really, with this? You must pay them well if they've got their own conservatories. <laughs> they've got double glazed ones, <laughs> double double glazed as well. I've heard. So, uh, anyway, how, how you coping, mate, with all this isolation and, and stuff? Are you are you okay there in your in your in your? It's not so much the isolation that bothers me. It's just that there's no sport on TV, no football, no golf. Don't know what to do with myself. To be honest, <laughs> it is. It is. I think that's part of the. I think that's really is. You're right, Kieran. That's part of it. Really. It's actually nothing on. It's even us sports fans who like football. We'd watch something else, wouldn't we? We'd watch rugby league or. Yeah, exactly. And my missus was laughing because of all the sport being cancelled. But then they've obviously just cancelled uh, EastEnders, so she's now feeling the pain so unlucky <laughs> exactly that's right it's very true um, my mum was most most put out that Coronation Street's going down to like two a week or something I said well mm-hmm. it used to be like that years ago it's only been uh... anyway so uh, you don't get Sainsbury's at six in the morning then or and get your toilet rolls or anything you're, uh, you're, you're fully stocked no no uh, we did a big shop and run and to be fair it was we got everything we needed so yeah. so that was okay Oh, good. I must meet you. Have you seen these toilet roll challenge things that some of the players are doing, flicking up in the air? And um, I, I no, I haven't. I haven't seen them. No, you know me. I don't go on social media. Oh no, that's right. Well, what they're doing is they're like getting that. They're getting that. I think. I think uh, Brett McGavin did one, and uh, Luke Wolfen, I think, believe they, they're doing keep you uppies with toilet rolls, basically. Um, fancy go at that? Would you? If you would, you be any good? Well, obviously, having trained Brett McGavin, I know that. He's one of the most gifted players we've got at the club with regards to the technical ability. So uh, I wouldn't want to go up against Brett McGavin, put it that way. <laughs> He's pretty good, is he? Would you, would you, would you, would you have fancied yourself with that? Were you good at keepy-uppies when you played? Were you a keepy-uppy person? Uh, yeah, I could do a, a fair few when I was in my younger days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, but keepy-uppies don't make you a footballer. Unfortunately, quite, quite wise words, Kieran. Wise words, if you don't mind me saying, absolutely. But it's good fun, and we do enjoy it. I think, I think the uh, the sports team should start doing a few as well. Andy Warren and uh, Stuart Watts, myself, we'll do some keepy up. You see how we? Uh... Now that would be funny. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> if you could do more than five. I could I'd do... donate five pounds of charity on your, on your cause. Well, there's there's a challenge straight away then. For, exactly. So, yeah. um, um, okay. So, um, well, look, it looks like the football season's obviously come to, as you say, an abrupt halt. Um, what do you think I mean no one knows what's going to happen um, games behind closed doors Kieran can you see that coming perhaps I think that's the only way forward because um, I don't think you can have the season just voided now because it's so unfair to so many so many teams unfair to Liverpool unfair to Leeds even in uh, the division that Ipswich in is unfair to it looks like Coventry are running away with the league so um I think that if we had to do um, 
behind closed doors to finish the season, then I think that's the way forward. Because I think, like I said, if it um, if the season is just vided, then it is uh, it is a nightmare, a nightmare scenario for, for everyone involved. Now here's a question: Even Ipswich, because obviously, um, if the season was vided, um, a lot of people are saying we're going to be in this division next season anyway. But mathematically, we've still got a chance for the playoffs. So. Mm-hmm. Who knows? That's very Who true. Knows? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's as bad as you say for the teams like Town, who are just outside the playoffs. And yeah, okay, they might have mucked up recently, but as you say, could still mathematically get in them. Sorry? Could still mathematically get in them, which is, you know, a mess up for them. Yeah, of course, yeah. Like I said, it's mathematically possible. I think this break will help the team because we'll probably get probably a, one of our best players back in Kane and. Uh, also, nor to be fit, so um, maybe this break would do us the world of good and get back some fit bodies. Have you ever played behind closed doors, Kieran? Any co- closed doors games? Apart from not training games, actual official matches? Uh, I must have. I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't remember, to be honest. <laughs> I know that what was quite weird, we in when we were qualifying for the, I think it was the Euro 2004 championship, when we had to play Turkey away and no England fans were allowed to travel. And that was just, you know, it's one of the best, Turkish fans give one of the best atmospheres ever. But usually our English away fans are some of the best fans ever. They travel in thousands and thousands. Mm. Going out for warm up an hour before kickoff or whenever we did, and there was no England fans. It, <laughs> it was it was weird, even though the, obviously it was full capacity. But that's probably the closest I've been to behind closed doors of actually not having your own fans there, which was uh, which was surreal, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. You play, you play. I mean, the, the clubs you've played for in your career have all had great away fans, haven't they? I mean, Town Ipswich have always had great away fans, and of course. Newcastle goes without saying. I mean, they're fantastic away support, aren't they? I mean, you've, you've and mm. West Ham too. You've you play with some teams who've had some pretty good away support over the years. Yeah, you're right. Um, talking of podcasts, I obviously did the podcast with Kane the other day, mm. and he commented on the Ipswich fans that he came off against Fleetwood at halftime when we played Fleetwood Fleetwood away, and he had a massive eruption and. Loads of fans cheering, so we thought we'd gone 1-0 down. He obviously had his shower, came out to the dugout in the second half, and we were 1-0 up. <laughs> so it was like we were away to Fleetwood, but it was like playing in a home game. So, Did you enjoy yeah. doing the po- did you enjoy the podcast with Kane? Yeah, well, it's been, it's been very well received, you know. A lot of people really enjoyed it, Kieran. I found it difficult because um, I know how hard it is your job though because you obviously got to do a lot of research and I thought there was some moments when there was uh, some silence where it was like uh, what do I go on to next the interview went a bit everywhere we were talking about something then I'd flip a complete different subject so it was my first time and obviously we got more planned with more players and more ex-players so um, hopefully I get um yeah, a bit more knowledge and um, 
get as good as you. Well, that'll, well be the challenge. that'll be the challenge. But I mean, I must confess. Well, well honestly, Kieran, it went down very well. I've had thousands of listens to it, which and town fans loved it, which which is great. And I know, like you said, you've got some more lined up, which which will be fun. I mean, I always treat the podcast like being down the pub, Kieran. But of course, we're not allowed down the pub, so it's a bit unfortunate at the moment. But uh, just having a chat down the pub. Um, I do. I do think one thing is think that obviously when play, I've been a player. So when if I was doing a podcast with the likes of yourself or Stuart or Andy, players have still got their guards up, if you know what I mean, because there's always that one question they think that you might try and stitch them up with. <laughs> yeah. And I got the, just got the feeling, obviously I can't answer it because I'm not in Kane's mind, but it was like, you know, right, we were having a conversation. He kind of trusted me that I wouldn't stitch him up because I'm not a journalist and that's, that's that's when you get the best interview because mm. players will give you more insight into um, more insight and not the cliche answers if you know what I mean. So no, you're spot on. That's yeah. why it was well received. Yeah, know? yeah, and you're spot on because I mean we listened to it back. Um, you know, obviously in in the, in the office, and we said exactly that. You know, we said you can sell, you can see um, Kane, who, who I've done a feature with, is a lovely chap, but he was a little bit more relaxed with you. And um, what do you mean? I'm not going to ask you any stitched up questions. I wouldn't do it. Well, thank you. You think of such a thing? I'd ask anything like that. Terrible, terrible thoughts. Um, anyway, um, so anyway, Kieran. Um, so we're, we're, we're sitting here on the podcast. Just you know, hope you know, sort of listen to this. I know one sort of stuck at a lot of people stuck at home. It's not great times, but hopefully, Kieran's bring a little insight into 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 his world as well. We're, we're all in the same boat a little bit. Um, of course, we could we could talk about. Um, and you played. You obviously played Ipswich Town. For a number of years, and with some decent players there, Kieran as well. Did, I mean, you've probably been asked this a million times about a best Ipswich eleven or a, a best Ipswich eleven you played with. I haven't really. I remember when I did the Kieran Meach uh, again, which was about podcasts. I did a, I did a, a few interviews with the local paper, and I'd ask the players that I interviewed their their best Ipswich eleven. But I don't think I've. Haven't They've you? Done a best Ipswich eleven that I played with, not at all. Well, it's about time we did. So this is it. This is world exclusive stuff, Kieran. So here we here we go. Um, do you off? Do you know it then? Of course you know it. You can you can you can rattle some. Uh, go on, you crack you crack on. I'll leave you to 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 kick us off. I would obviously goalkeeper. Obviously speaks for itself. Um, Richard Wright. Um, a few words about Richard. Why? I mean, obviously, part part of the fact. I you... was speaking about Richard right the other day, and I don't think he gets the love and recognition from the Ipswich fans that he that he deserves. I know he left. Um, he left in different circumstances. To mm. me. I kind of it was like the fans had given me my blessing to let me go, and obviously they think that Ipswich, uh, that Richard left when. Uh, things were going good and he left them in the lurch kind of thing so I get that but um, we're talking about a keeper who represented his country while playing for Ipswich um, we all remember the performance when he was still a teenager against Blackburn mm, yes. away in the FA Cup when he was incredible and um, he was such an unbelievable goalkeeper great shot stopper uh, fantastic left foot um, so Richard Wright for me would uh, would be my goalkeeper mm. without a shadow of doubt. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Rich actually actually spoke to him recently because I'm at Manchester City at the moment. He was hoping yeah. to do some yeah do some stuff for a a special uh, video that uh, I know my colleague Andy Warren's putting together for the uh, 
playoff final. And I hope you'll. Um, it's 20 years since the, the great playoff final victory over Barnsley, of course. Of course, but he had an eventful game. He, that didn't well. he just? Give away a penalty, saved the penalty. <laughs> All right, so we move on to defence then, uh, Kieran. You've got some defenders to pick there. Um, who, who, who some defenders you, you played with you, you'd stick in there? Well, I would go... Um, it's tough. I would go for three at the back. So I'd play uh, three centre-halves at the back. Um, on the left, the left-sided centre-half would be Mark Venus, um, a very underrated player. Um, he was um, he's like we're talking about left foot I just mentioned about Richard he had some of the best distribution yeah that I'd I'd ever seen he was so good on the ball for a midfielder obviously he always used to give me the ball which is why I probably probably loved him so much but he was um, he was a fantastic player underrated player and um he would be my left-sided centre-half. My right-sided centre-half would be um, Titus, Titus Bramble, yeah. uh, another young lad who's come through, came through the system. Um, again, he had a, a very good career. Um, I look at John Stones now and I see a lot of Titus now because obviously Titus, um, it's, it just seemed that every time they made a mistake, that mistake would lead to a goal. Yeah. So I mean, and obviously Ty's got a lot of stick um, in his career for that. And I look at John Stones today, and I, it's like every time he slips over, it's a goal, or every time he makes a bad pass, it's a goal. And it did remind me of a spell that Tyus went through. But when you're talking about all the attributes, quick, strong, powerful, two great feet, great tackler, um, he had it all, and. Um, yeah, he would be my uh, right-sided centre-half. Mm, I agree with you there. Titus did go through a little spell, didn't he, where everything seemed to... And what centre-halves can score the goal that he did against Sunderland oh. the whole length of the pitch. <laughs> he was, a goal. On his, stand. on his day, he was something else, Titus, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah I remember. I've, seen him, I've seen him on his day when he yeah. played against Drogba, yeah. uh, manhandled him and stuff like that. So he was a fantastic player. Yeah, absolutely. Quite well. Oh, that's, 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 a top, that's a top two. Who's a third, Kieran? Uh, the third would be my captain, um, and it's Tony Mowbray. Mm. Um, there's a few, there's probably been three players in my career, no, four players in my career where I'd say they will definitely go on to be manager. Um, Gary Neville was one, Scott Parker was another one, Matt Holland was another one, and um, Tony Mowbray was the fourth. Um, he was a leader on the pitch. Obviously, he came to Ipswich when he probably wasn't in his prime. He'd probably lost the yard of pace. But his positional sense um, and his football and brain would always make him see the picture a lot earlier. Um, as a young lad coming through, he took a shine to me. He, he tried to lead me uh, <laughs> in the right way, which um, didn't go the way I should have. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he tried. He tried. Bless him. He tried. Yeah, he was a fantastic man, a fantastic player, <laughs> yeah. fantastic leader, and he would be the captain of the team. Yeah. 
I remember he thought a lot of you. I remember you saying that because I remember doing an interview with him on the on the Gold Green and once, and uh, he was talking about fan mail. He said that boy Kieran. He said he gets so much fan mail, and do you know what? He just looks at it. He reads it and he throws the envelopes on the floor. And I say to him, "Clear them up, Kieran, will you? Do you remember that? I used to used to, used to read your fan mail and just sort of like you read it, but then throw the envelopes on the floor." And he so he clearly did think, look out for you, uh, Kieran. He did try to, like I said, he tried to lead me in the right way. Um, that went a bit miscued <laughs> in my early years, but oh, no, obviously the man I've become now would be very proud. <laughs> exactly, I'm sure he would be, absolutely would be. Um, so you're playing three at the back, Kieran, which means, what, you're going for five in midfield? It's all wing-backs, or what are you doing? I would go wing-backs, so on the right, as a right wing-back would be Mick Stockwell. Ah, yes, Mickey. Um, absolute club legend, uh, probably up there in games played for the club I don't know the actual stats but he must be in the top three or four I think he's um, in the, yeah he is I think yeah. Mr Versatile I think he played in every single position and again when I first broke into the Ipswich team um, Gus was injured and I played a whole half a season at right back and Mickey Stockwell was in front of me and um, he was a great mentor um, he had fantastic energy for someone so old at the time he was probably 45 Playing at the time and could run all day and scored important goals and um, positionally was fantastic. Mm. Um, so mixed up with people on the right Play, wing back. Played up front once, do you remember? Played up front once against yeah, Wimbledon, did, yeah. I think, got two goals. Played, played up front on the the in the Premier League. Yeah, so, um, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he was a Mr. Versatile, um, a real, real player and good leader and good example for the young lads. Right, so that's your right. You got and, and who's out on the left? Who's bombing up and down the left? The on the left would be uh, Mauricio Torrico. Oh, oh, what a what a player, Kieran. We we loved he him. Is, he's probably the second best Ipswich player I played with. Right. So if I was to rank all the players I played with for Ipswich, he would be the second best. Um, he had it all. Um, he was so good on the ball. Great distribution. He was a modern-day fullback where he could get up and down the line. Uh, fantastic delivery, scored some worldy goals. Um, he was a fan's favourite, um, and he also had that South American nastiness about him as well. <laughs> he did. He was one of them. Even in training, he'd like <laughs> when he's marking you, he'd nip you, and like you won't go and buy him if even if you'd done him, you're coming down or he's dragging you back and. Um, he was a proper player. Um, again, being as a midfielder, he'd always give you the ball. Um, yeah, so Mauricio Tarico would be my left wing back. And of course, he came with Adrian Paz, didn't he? Do you remember all the all the hoo ha about the two the two South Americans coming in it? And Paz was going to be the man. And uh, poor old Tarico was a bit of sort of a, a, a sort of just a mate weight really in the, in the deal. But he ended up being by very popular, very successful Ipswich. Of course, he, did he go to Tottenham as well? With of course, Gus that's what I mean. I think, yeah, if you think about it as yeah. well, is, there was a lot of players when they left Ipswich um, uh, to try and go into bigger and better things. It didn't kind of work out, but he went to Tottenham. Yeah, absolutely. Had a, had a decent Tottenham career. Um, I remember when I first signed for Newcastle, about three games in the season, uh, we played Tottenham at White Hart Lane. He's playing... Uh, He's playing left back and I'm playing right wing. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they won 3 1, so I better not say anymore. Okay, so you've got your wing backs. Um, so who's in the middle of the park then, uh, Kieran? 
So I'd play, uh, obviously, three in midfield, but I'd play with uh, two in midfield and then one in the, in, in, the, in front of them. So the first one in midfield would be Matt Holland. Yeah. Um, uh, what can you say about Matt Holland? Um, what, uh, Graham Soon has always used to say to me um, when he became Newcastle manager, he said, can you look yourself in the mirror and say, and say that when you look at your career, you didn't leave nothing out there. You gave it your all. You could have got not one more ounce of energy or ounce of ability out of you. And um, obviously, I said I can't look myself in the mirror and say that. Um, and when you think of Matt Holland, the career he had, he could not have done it anymore to have that career. He got every single last bit of everything out of out of himself to, to have the career he had um, again he wasn't technically great I think he'd be the first to admit that um, but he was like a 7 out of 10 out of everything Yeah. 7 out of 10 for tackling 7 yeah. out of 10 for heading 7 out of 10 for running ability 7 out of 10 for pace uh, 7 out of 10 for shooting ability but when you put that all together you have a complete package Yeah. Um, yeah. and he was a midfielder he could do it all Um so yeah, um, Matt Holland would be uh, one of my first midfielders in the team. Yeah, and of course Matt had that great Republic of Ireland as well, wasn't he? And, and World Cup, he scored in the World Cup, and you know, again, you think that the things some of these players did as well, as well as played too well for Ipswich Town, they were great footballers, you know, on the world stage in in some ways. Sorry. Um... Sorry, this is a podcast, but I've just got to open the door because I think my dogs are escaped. <laughs> <laughs> you carry on, uh, Kieran. We're, we're live yeah. here with Kieran Dyer on this podcast, and uh, yeah, his dogs have escaped. So um, I'll yeah. just I'll just fill in. Two, uh, two Pomeranians—they're going mad. Oh dear, the two Pomeranians going mad. Jack, are they are they nice? Those dogs are they um, are they very young or old or what's what's happened? I love them because they're so small and petite, mm. so they don't get in the way and they don't yap around too much. So you don't strike me as much of a dog lover, but obviously you are, Kieran, which is nice to see. Yeah, five years ago, if you'd asked me that, I'd have a different answer. <laughs> God, I was going to say, I couldn't see you back in Ipswich yeah. Town days walking a couple of Pomeranians down Portman Road from your, from your mum's house. That would have been most strange to see. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so as I say, we've got uh, Matt Holland as my midfielder. Yeah, he had a great career with Republic of Ireland, scored a goal in the World Cup, but yep. not many players could uh, Hello? Hello, yes, you're still here. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. yeah, we lost you a second there. So, um, my second midfielder, and we talked about, um, I talked about Mauricio Tonto was probably the second best town player I played with. My favourite and best Ipswich town player that I played with was Jim McGilton. Oh, Jim, yeah. Jim McGilton. Um, and again, you're talking about George Burley as a manager. George Burley seemed to find players, um, players that not many fans really recognise like you think of the Jamie Clapham's of the world and mm. who went on to be so successful David Johnson um, all these kind of players and um, when Jim McGilton came I, I obviously I knew he was at Liverpool as a kid but I didn't think he'd be anywhere as good as what he turned out to be and he was again um, obviously Matt Holland was captain at the time but when you had uh, Mogger and Jim 
Jilton on the pitch. They were the real captains. Yeah, and yeah. Why I loved Jim so much, he was so brave. He could give the ball away five times out of five, but he'd won it again for the sixth pass. And his passing range was fantastic. Um, he's, and listen, I'm not saying Jimmy Jilton is um, Paul Scholes. No, I'm not saying he's that, but when you think of a type of player that is not very quick, but they're so quick upstairs in their head. Yeah, yeah. So quick upstairs in their head. You don't need to be quick because because you're so quick upstairs, you get that half a yard, the yard you need on the pitch and no one can get near you. And um, that was quite a formidable midfield that we had when it was me, Matt and, and Jim in midfield together. Um, it's quite funny as well. Uh, Jim always used to... <laughs> You always used to take the mick out of my and just say, listen, you do our run and get us the ball and just give us the ball <laughs> and we'll take care of the rest. Poor, uh, poor old Matt. Matt. Exactly, Matt a lot more than just getting the ball, but it was quite funny. That's just the character Jim was. He demanded the ball, give it to me, don't worry about anything else. And um, he was like, uh, you talk about American football and quarterbacks, he was the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. He dictated everything for... Um, <laughs> for Ipswich and like I said when I thought I had one of the best last games ever for Ipswich uh, when I had the, the two goals against Bolton and then yeah. the Jim goes and out does me and scores three yeah. but he thoroughly deserves it and he was, a, he was a, the best player I played with at Ipswich it's funny remember that game, Kieran, because I remember you getting very upset after the game. And, and didn't you? Did you throw your shoes in the crowd, boots in the crowd? Something did. Did, did something about that game? Did, yeah, yeah. I did just you? Did you? Th- my boots and took off my shirt. I did think that was my last game. Oh, you I did? Did you? Shirt. Yeah. I knew there was. I knew there was. Um, there was obviously there's talk about Wolfie and uh, Flynn now and scouts, but I can remember we used to, then we used to line up and I used to look up the directors at, at Portman Road and. We're not stupid. We know the scouts, and there were scouts from Arsenal, Leeds, Liverpool, Man U, Juventus. There was scouts like that for every game because I think one of the biggest achievements from that from that team we had is that if you think about it, we had four Ipswich Town players. Three of them had come through the academy, were all in the under twenty one team, England under twenty ones, and that's some achievement. Yeah. You know, kind of gets swept under the radar. Like you look at the under twenty ones teams now. There isn't a player out like from the Division One or the Championship or no. whatever. It's all full of Premier League players and yeah. top players. And we had four from the Championship. Yeah. Well, was the what was Division One then? Yeah, yeah. Four players and uh, yeah, and the, it was like a who's who of scouts at every one of our games because of the talent we had in our team. You sad to leave Ipswich? mixed emotions because one of my dreams was to play in the Premier League with Ipswich but if I'd have stayed who knows what would have happened that season you never know because maybe me being still an Ipswich Town player we would have had a strong 11 uh, because we had a very good team we should have gone up that year how we didn't go up that year I'll never know my last year but it's been well documented with my money. They get Jermaine Wright in, they get John McGrady in, they get Bruce in, they get Marcus Stewart in. And you've got four very good players. Well, you say yeah, very good players, but it turned out for two, three seasons, Marcus Stewart was in the top 10 players in top 10 strikers yeah. in the league, in the Premier League at the time. So 
when you think you're getting that for one player, then it makes perfect sense. So. Yes, I've done. I've done a very. I've done a very. Un, a very podcasty thing. Sort of just drifted off off, off the subject, mm. leaving your team sort of with no strikers at the moment, uh, Kieran. No, we've, I've we've, got my other midfielder. You got your, sorry. Yes, your other midfielder and your strikers. We've, we've sort of got a nice back. We've, we've gone. We've gone a nice uh, back three. Um, but so we're, we're waiting for. A, we've now got the uh, what sort of the, the the number ten position, I suppose. Is that what you call yeah, it now? Yeah, and this is because of the. Oh, oh, my dogs are barking. Because of the formation I play. <laughs> um, because of the formation I played, this is probably the toughest one for me because I want to really try and get Bobby Petter in the team. Do you now? That's interesting. I do. Mm. Bobby Petter on his day was unplayable. I know his career started off really slow at Ipswich, but that last season that I had and he had, he was, I think, at the Norwich game and there were so many games he was unplayable. Mm. But... I still can't get him in the team. Oh, no. I know, it's crazy. If I was playing a 4-3-3 or I was playing a 4-4-2, he'd definitely be in the team. But because I'm playing 4-3-3, in front of Matt Holland and Jim Majorton would be Jason Dizel. Ah, uh, Jason. I only played with Jason for three months. Um, obviously, when um, he left Tottenham and he came back. Um, and he was... You could tell he was still a Premier League player. Um, obviously, his legs weren't the same, but the quality that he had, and I think at all the game that stands out for me when he came back is when we beat Man United in the League Cup. Uh, I think we beat Man United in the League Cup 2-0, mm. and Jason was man in a match that day, and unbelievable. Um, so I would have Jason as my number 10, uh, which... Bobby Petter is very unlucky to miss out because um, I played with him for a longer period and like I said he was unplayable on his day but Jason being a local lad um, a Hall of Fame player for Ipswich um, he was he was fantastic and that game against Man United he was and how class he was so oh, that would be my midfield three so it would be Jim uh, Matt Holland and Jason Dezel in, in front it's funny because I remember poor old Bobby Petty. You're right, what great players. Because when Ipswich, of course, all us Ipswich fans remember the wonderful 5 0 Ipswich 5 Norwich nil Canary Destruction Derby, whatever we called it, many, many years ago. It might have been the last time we beat Norwich. I'm not sure. No, I'm sure I wasn't. But do you remember that day when Alex Matthew got a fantastic uh, hat trick in the first half? And uh, Bobby got the other two, didn't he? Everyone always forgets that poor old Bobby got the other two. And uh, yeah. he sort of goes, goes a bit unnoticed, really. We got five goals, and it's the Alex Matthew hat trick, which was fantastic. And Bobby, of course, got the other two, and it never gets really mentioned. Uh, went on to Celtic as well, didn't he, uh, Kieran? He yeah, he did, Celtic, yeah. He? he did okay at Big. Celtic as well. Mm. Even that Norwich game, I obviously played in that game. Yeah. Obviously, Alex got all the, the hot, um, headlines for the hat trick, but if you asked every player who played on that pitch that day, he was the best player on the pitch, um, they'd all be saying Bobby Petter. Yeah, um, but like you said, goals, hat tricks, yeah. they get all the headlines. That was a that was a day that was a day, Kieran, wasn't it? Hey, that was a that was a bloody day. Five nil that destruction day. You must have what? You must have gone out had a few milkshakes that night with Titus, I reckon, didn't you? No, oh, I was looking for Craig Bellamy because obviously at the time <laughs> I played against Craig Bellamy in the youth team, and that he was giving her the big, 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 big potatoes, and then we played <laughs> Norwich earlier in the season that that day. Uh, we were when Norwich beat us 2-1 at Carroll Road. I think Darren Eady scored. And I started that game and Craig Bellamy comes on off the bench 
and starts giving it your crap and blah blah. So hang on a minute, you're sub for Norwich. Like you can't even get in the team. He was giving it a big and obviously in the return leg, we smashed them five nil. But unfortunately he wasn't even on the bench, so uh <laughs> look for him in the players lounge. Yeah, so yeah, I was looking up in the director's box but couldn't see him because all the scouts were there watching me and Richard Wright and not Craig Bellamy. <laughs> uh, well, we've done it again, Kieran. I've done it again. We've drifted off your team subject. We, we've got. We've, we've still. We definitely still haven't got any strikers. So we are down now to the to the two the two up front. Um, um, Kieran, you're going to go for it in in your town team, the best team town team you've played in. Um, so go ahead. Off you go. Yeah. Um, I think it's a no-brainer. The first one would be David Johnson. Yeah. Um. We were playing fantastic football. Um, we probably dominated the ball. You probably hear it from uh, Paul Lambert and Ipswich. Are we, we're doing everything. We're not screwing goals, but we were literally playing everyone off the park, but we didn't really have anyone to really finish all these chances. And then David Johnson comes in from um, with his big bum. I thought, who's this fat little bunter? <laughs> silly dreadlocks and uh, wow he, he obviously he, he scored goals for fun and he was the missing ingredient really and um, so you talk about goals, you talked about George Perth right? his goals to game ratio is was fantastic again and yeah I know what you're going to say yeah. again George Burley yeah. again don't know who he's doing this, he's scouting but yeah you could go on and on yeah. um, it's crazy with George and that when when he didn't have money to spend he was, always used to find these gems and then obviously when we had the Premier League and we got the big money and that and then we buy the Finidi Georges and the, the keeper that ended up being a nightmare see the more money he got the more he lost his sense I was going to say he did he did pluck out some fantastic players Burley and I mean yeah, again David, David Johnson David Johnson, Johnson turns up and everyone's thinking David Johnson where did he come from was it Berry? Berry yeah he was obviously released from Man United as a kid yeah um, scoring goals again he was another one turned up in the change room hadn't got a clue who he was and <laughs> was his first goal was Wolves well, I think he played Wolves away and drew one all I think he scored or something like that and yeah he was the missing link mm. um, it wasn't just he scored all types of goals as well headers yeah, uh, yeah. running in behind tappings he was he was he was a fantastic striker um, and uh he would definitely be in my team, yeah. Yeah, and who'd you put him alongside then, Kieran, the final man? Again, I talked about Richard Wright not getting the love I think he deserves, and the second one, second player I'm going to mention, I don't think he gets the respect he deserves, and that's James Scowcroft. Scowie, yeah. Um, even time when I was playing, I think one of my last season, there was a bit of booing from the from there from was certain section of there the was fans. yeah. He was uh, getting a bit of abuse, but I kind of put Scoey like Emil Heskey. Mm. So if you ask like all the Liverpool strikers at the time, if you ask Michael Owen, who, who do you rather, who's your favourite striker to play with, they'd say Emil Heskey. If you ask Robbie Fowler, he'd say Emil Heskey. And I think Scoey was the same. If you asked Alex Maffey, David Johnson, you asked any of them, who would you rather play with out of all the strikers we've got at the club they'd all say James Crocroft because he did the he did all the kind of work to make them flourish he was the target man he was the link up play all they were in the team was to score goals so for a midfielder 
when I want to play a ball around the corner or I want to play a ball forward, I know that Scoey's always going to be an option. Yeah. And for, for a midfielder, that's a dream. And again, so we just talked about David Johnson's goals and how many goals David Johnson. I think he'll be the first to admit that he wouldn't have scored as many goals if he didn't have a striker like a, a Scoey and the same with Alex Matthew probably stay the same. I, I bet you if you ever talk to them, they'll say that Scoey was probably their favourite player to play with. So again, another one who's come through the academy. Um, so uh, Scoey would be my final final piece of the jigsaw. And of course, another player who went on Premier League with Leic- Leicester City and Scoey, yeah, you know, did, yeah. did fantastically um, well. Yeah, yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, um, good player. A very good player. Again, the, the harsh reality is strikers are judged on goals and if you look at his actual goal scoring record as a striker it probably wasn't that great again I, I talk about Emileski even if you look at Giroud at Chelsea I think he played every game for France in the World Cup he was that important to the team and he didn't score a goal yeah yeah. do you know what I mean yeah I do yeah Scully's type of player is that important but it's not about goals with Scully even though he did get his fair share it's about the whole package of mm. target man. He can hold the play up. He can link. He can drop as a ten. He can be the number nine. He can run channels. So, so uh, Scott Scully was an unselfish player and a uh, player that every team needed. Yeah, that's great. Well, I like that team, here. That's nice. I like it. I like. Look at them. There must be one. Is there anyone off the top of your head you can think of who hasn't got in there? You said Bobby Petter. Um, who? Oh, obviously, my big mate Milts. It's a bit harsh on Milts, but. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good. I'm so sorry, Milts. (laughs) I'm sure you were my first sub. I think it's a bit harsh on Jamie Clapham. Obviously, when I was playing, Jamie Clapham got Players Player of the Year or the Supporters Player of the Year one year as well. He was another one who's probably unlucky to miss out. But then when Mauricio Torrico is playing in front of you, don't you think you can have too many uh, too many complaints? Excellent. Um, Yeah. I like it, Kieran. I like it a lot. I like that team. It's very nice. Um, so, oh, thanks very much for that. And uh, I hope you enjoy listening to uh, Kieran Dyer here on this uh, uh, special Kings of Anglia podcast. Um, you know, you know, hoping that well, most of us are sort of stuck at home and um, doing the right thing. And uh, if we have to, to all those who are, who are out at work, still working hard, um, we thank you. And of course, for all your efforts. So, but Kieran, anyway, um, back to you. Um, um, I just think of some some of the you played as a big stadiums, haven't you, around the world? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, obviously you're the World Cup and and, and Euro stuff. And um, any stick to any any sort of come to mind of some of the best, the biggest and best ones you played in, with the best atmosphere you played in anywhere. Uh, like I said, the probably the most hostile. Was when we played in Turkey with no no England fans. fans because yeah. their fans turned up like three hours before the game with the firecrackers and <laughs> it was like an absolute carnival. Um, fortunate enough to play in the new camp in the Champions League, which was uh, which was a, a great atmosphere and um, one of the most iconic stadiums. Yeah. Um, the hardest stadium I don't think I ever played well at was um, Anfield. Really? Um, honestly, their their fans, their their fans, the atmosphere they create in there is phenom- phenomenal. Um, I don't think, like I said, I don't think I've ever had a good game there. <laughs> um, I was fortunate enough when we beat Argentina in the two thousand and two World Cup. We played in the stadium when uh, the roof was closed. All right, yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool at the time. Um, I think I might be one of there can't be too many players who have played at both 
the old Wembley and new Wembley. It, it, no, no, the there, problem. There can't no. be that many players who've done that. Um, I'd say about 50, 60 have probably managed that. So I got to play at both. I think the old Wembley was better. Uh, listen, there's nothing wrong with the new Wembley, but the old Wembley, just that long walk out from the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, different. Uh, yeah. It was just the history of that stadium was, it just had an aura about it. Um, what were some of my other favourites? White Hart Lane, the old White Hart Lane was probably one of my favourite stadiums. I always think to play, where I say Anfield was uh, a pretty hard stadium and I never played well. I always played well at White Hart Lane. Um, except for that time when Risho Torrico beat me <laughs> one of my first games at Newcastle. But I love that um, stadium. Uh, always seem to, we always used to have great games. Um, yeah. That's some good stadiums there, Kieran. Some good stadiums there. Um, I mean, you obviously played with some great players in your time. Um, tough opponents, um, great players. Um, just a few off the top of your head, some of the, the best players you played with and some of the hardest opponents you came up against, Kieran. Because um, obviously you played for, what, 33 times for England, um, World Cup. So you, you played some, you know, played some high, <laughs> top-level football. Um, uh, what I always say, which is incredible, is that in the 2000... So everyone talks about this golden generation with England. We were the golden generation. And listen, if you go through our well, starting eleven. When you've got, um, so you basically got Gary Neville, you could have Rio, John Terry, Sol Campbell, Jonathan Woodgate, Ledley, Carragher. You could go on and on with centre half. We had so many world class centre half. We had probably the best left back, him or Roberto Carlos and Ashley Cole. Then you've got Becks, you've got Skulls, you've got Gerrard, you've got Lamps. Oh, to be fair, in the 2002 World Cup, Lamps hadn't emerged by then, but you still had Nicky Bart. Uh, Stephen Gerrard uh, so we got that and then you obviously had Michael Owen who was a world class striker um, and we didn't have a Wayne Rooney there in 2002 so you still look at our team and everyone's talking about a golden generation um, Stephen Gerrard misses that tournament through injury and Gary Neville misses that tournament through injury we go on to play Brazil in the quarterfinals and Brazil's team their front three was on the right Ronaldinho on the left Rivaldo <laughs> and through the middle Ronaldo the original Ronaldo yeah that's three Ballon d'Or winners <laughs> pro- well, between them three they've probably got about nine Ballon d'Ors they had Roberto Carlos they had Carthu they had Lucio these are like the top top players in their positions all over the pitch and we lose to them and we're classed as failures <laughs> I'm thinking yeah, how can we we're probably missing Stephen Gerrard who's probably along with Skulls our most influential player Gary Neville was like an absolute leader and one of the best right backs in the world we've lost two of them and we've come up against Brazil who've got Ronaldinho Ronaldo and Rivaldo and we're going how can we be classed as failures yeah. like that team you put that strike force against any team in any era, that is probably the best strike force you'll ever see in world football, ever. Yeah, it's got to be right up there, isn't it? Definitely, I agree. Absolutely, so, yeah. I'd come on for most of the second half in that game and I'm thinking, I'm just like, 
they went down to 10 men as well and they're just like we couldn't even get the ball off them going, well, <laughs> if we're the golden generation they're the, like the platinum generation <laughs> I'm telling you I'm lucky enough to play against Zidane um, and what people don't realise about Zidane was how big and imposing he was he was, he was like about six foot two. You just, yeah, it was incredible. And I, again, a good story is uh, after they won the Euros in two thousand. So they won the Euros in two thousand. England had the disaster. Who does the dogs? <laughs> I can hear the dogs. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, just gotta get the door again. Here we go. <laughs> get it all. Up. Oi, oi. <laughs> You still there? Yeah, just I'm on the phone. So come on. <laughs> See you later. Cheers. Yeah, so um, you've got um, yeah, I was saying. So we, so France won the Euros in 2000, and you always had the. So when the new season start, you always used to have the international friendly, like the first couple of weeks of the season, and we obviously had France at the Stade de France. So when you're talking about um, stadiums again, that was it was basically like a party carnival atmosphere because they just won so they won the World Cup in 98 they won the Euros in 2000 so before the game um, this is when you're talking about old school leaders Tony Adams Martin Keogh they get everyone together and they go to Dennis Wise this is the Dennis Wise in the first five minutes as soon as Zidane gets the ball wipe him out (laughs) so Dennis Wise was like listen I'm all for that but if that happens, Vieira's going to be on me. Desai's going to be on me. Like, <laughs> you need to back me up. And Martin Keown and that was like, okay, okay. I swear, literally, in today's football, the way the game's gone and the rules are gone, Dennis Wise tackle on Zidane was ridiculous. <laughs> and what happens, Desai and everyone come in and Tony Adams and Martin Keown come running out and that kind of like galvanised the team against, like, we're having you now, like, kind of thing. And, we ended up drawing that game one all, and I always stuck with me like old school characters and how they weren't going to have like the fans in France like celebrating on their expense. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Zidane was an absolutely incredible player. Uh, absolutely incredible. Kieran, it's, there's some fantastic memories there, some fantastic players, you say. I mean, I mean that is it's great to always reminisce a little bit on players. Um, bring it a little bit up to up to date now with Ipswich Town, obviously, and obviously the situation we're, we're all in with football. Um, I mean, if, say, Ipswich Town don't finish, or they do finish the season, don't make the playoffs, um, obviously it's been a massive disappointment. Um, can you see, can you see, I mean, some people sort of say that Perhaps they need a, a, a season in this division, you know, just to sort themselves out. Or do you think they've missed a trick if they don't go up this year? How hard do you think it's going to be for them going forward? I disagree with that. Um, I don't think another season in the dis- division is a benefit. I think that the sooner we get out of the, dis- the division, uh, the better. Uh, you kind of... It's kind of the domino effect. The higher up you are in the league, you get to keep... I talked about it on the radio the other day about assets. So obviously a lot of talk about Wolfie and Flynn. I guarantee if we're playing in the championship, I can see them staying on for another season. If we don't go in the championship in Division 1, are they going to hang around? You've seen with our talented young super kids in the academy, the Ben Knights, the Charlie Browns, the Marcellos, 
who go and who go to Arsenal, who go to Chelsea, who go to Man City, are 15, 16 year olds. Is it's going to be hard to keep that kind of talent when you're a Division One club? If you're in the Championship club, they see a pathway. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Premier League's not too far away. You can see them staying. You you look at the players we bought. You look at the assets. You look at Kane, Vincent Young. Who you're talking about. He's had a fantastic start again. He's an asset. Is it going to be easier to keep him in the Championship or harder? So when everyone says it'll probably benefit us um, being in the division again, I don't think so. I just think it has a domino effect. Um, I like the club being a family club. Uh, you already see with the relegation how many cuts from personnel and staff. I'm not talking staff on like the playing staff. I'm talking staff with like the bread and butter, the receptionists, the tea ladies, the thing that gets cut. Again, another division, another period in this division, there's going to be more and more cuts, uh, which you don't want to see. Um, so the better the football club does, the better the better impact that has on everyone involved, fans, uh, staff, young players. Um, so, like I said, um, I'm not one of them people who agree with that it'll benefit us to stick in this uh, division. No, absolutely. Well, no, I think a lot of I, I think a lot of people agree with that. Obviously, perhaps we have mess. We don't really know what's going, obviously what's going to happen, but um, we'll, we'll have to see. Okay, um, just one little thing here before you go, because we've got to let you get back to to walk your dogs again. Um, have you taken for a walk today? By the way, have they been for a walk once already today, or you? I've been on the golf course. So you've been on the golf course. My, my time, yeah. How did you go? Very weird. You... We weren't allowed to. There was no rakes in the bunkers. Uh, there was. You're not uh, allowed to take the flag out, are you? No, not allowed to take the flag no. out, which for two, three foot putts, <laughs> that is very weird. I need the flag out, so I blame that on me shooting a terrible score today. Yeah, so well, terrible quite Terrible score. How did your book go, by the way? Because you, obviously you had your book signing last year. I mean, that's a, that was a great... How, how did the book... The book sales okay? Did they go decent? Did they... Do you know? I still get royalty checks now, okay? So, oh, uh, oh, are you now? Yeah, very, so, very good. Uh, yeah. yeah, so... <laughs> My mum must be buying a lot of copies from me, I know that. <laughs> you, you made me buy 30, and I don't, I don't know why, that's ridiculous, but anyway, I've got them all stashed down, I'm going to put them on eBay soon. Um, Kieran, really, really thanks for your time, I hope Ipswich Town fans, and fans of football enjoy just listening to your chat away on, on, for, for the last sort of 50 minutes or so, it's been really interesting. And your Ipswich 11, that's really great, I really, really enjoyed listening to that, and like you say, we've never heard that before. Um, yeah. And when you look back, some great, some really good players there, some really good times, let's hope those times come back, Kieran, eh? I, mean, I have nice. got an time it's such a level for another day maybe or well and all well from all players I haven't played with but players that I've seen on tape and yeah yeah the history of the club yeah um, well I think we might I think the, I, the, the, the all-time Ipswich 11 would probably be the Ipswich 11 that I've played with unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> well that's no good but I mean we're probably going to play time our hands Kieran to come back to you I reckon unfortunately with this uh, sport carries on like this um, you know it's, uh, but I hope everybody stays safe and uh, out there obviously Kieran thanks yeah, that'd, be, that'd be a good debate the, the, my best ever Ipswich team obviously not players I've played with against the best 11 players that I have played with in my career that'd be a good debate Gosh. amongst Ipswich fans who would win We'll that have to, would be a tough one, that would be. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll, re, we'll revisit this in a couple of weeks with your All-Star eleven, and um, we'll remind ourselves of the Ipswich and remind of some of the ones you've no, played. No, not the Ipswich eleven I've played with. The Ipswich eleven, my all-time Ipswich eleven. Oh, and, so you've got the Beaties, the Dominics. Yeah, you know? yeah, an all-time Ipswich you, against... Wait, you, were, you were thinking that my Ipswich eleven could be 
my instant eleven that I have played with. Like, I, you're very optimistic. You must be a real die-hard blue fan. There. I, I, my glass is always half full, Kieran. My glass is yeah. always half full. Um, look, we will if, ca- if the instant eleven kept it down to five, they'd done very well. <laughs> I hope you do some more podcasts in the near future, Kieran. That'd be great. The ones you do yourself with other town players and ex-players and stuff. That I know Ipswich fans would love to hear that. And we'll catch up again, perhaps in two or three weeks' time. I expect we'll still be sitting in our conservatories or wherever we're sitting um, and, and do something else. Kieran, thanks ever so much for your time. Right. You know I appreciate right. it. We all appreciate it. Sorry about the dogs. <laughs> no problem. We love the dogs. Cheers, Kieran. See you later. Bye.